Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. We're going to start in the Torah today. I want us to go to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus, please. been thinking a little bit. In fact, I was speaking with a member of my family recently and talking about the movie The Prince of Egypt. Wow, what a great movie that is. I love that movie. Some great music in that movie. Speaking of good music, it's good stuff, right, Mikey? It's so good. I love it. Uh, okay, so in Exodus chapter 32, please, Moses... Uh, was we see uh, an interesting character trait about Moses that I want to talk about today and to focus on, think about a little bit, at least start off with, because Moses was someone who interceded for others. That is for absolute triple sure, man. We're going to read just a, a snippet of this story, and it's like, whoo, Moses, Moses uh, if you look deep into the Torah, as my father, Rabbi E, used to say, uh, Moses quit school because of recess. That's right, he don't play. Uh, Exodus chapter 32, Moses was someone who interceded for others. He boldly offered his own life and salvation, in fact, for the Israelites when God was about to judge them for the golden calf incident. Okay, so you have Moses come down the back. Okay, you got the golden calf. And, and let me tell you, God was not pleased. Of course he wasn't pleased after all that he had done for the Israelites. My gosh, it was right after the 10 plagues. It was right after the parting of the Red Sea. Are you kidding me, my people? What were you doing? Turning to another God after just a few weeks of Moses up on the mountain. You've just got to be, it's, it's hard to even understand how they could have turned to, uh, to a God of stone, a God of gold at that point. This golden calf, and I'm sure that's the way God felt. It was like, you have got to be kidding me. Uh, uh, and deep in the Torah, in the Hebrew, you, you see God say, OMG. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, which would be funny. Uh, okay, uh, Exodus 32, verse 31. Here's the interaction. Then Moses returned to Adonai and said, Alas, these people have sinned greatly and made gods of gold. Yet now, please forgive their sin, Moses says to God. But if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. Whoa, Manashevitz, that's chutzpah, my friends. That is some serious chutzpah. Rabbi Shaul echoes that in the Brichad Shah. Because when Moses said this to God, friends, this was not a negotiation ploy. This was not an empty bluff. Moses was speaking with God directly. You know how you, know, you watch these, these games online, you're flipping through channels, you see them doing this professional poker stuff, and, and sometimes, sometimes they make big bluffs, big bluffs, and you can see the cards because there's a piece of glass there, but of course the opponents can't see the cards, and so you know, it's a lot of times there are big bluffs in, in card games. Okay, big bluffs, putting all the money in, they ain't got anything in their hand. They're just bluffing, right? Friends, let me tell you something, Moses wasn't bluffing. He said, man, it's just unbelievable. For this people, the, for our people, the Israelite people who had just had the 10 plagues all come out of Egypt through the Red Sea, but all along the way, griping, complaining about Moses. 
So this is not like, you know, his besties. Okay, these were people who were uh, really in many ways, oftentimes, and even at that very moment, against Moses. They were against Moses. And so God was like, I'm going to destroy them all and start over with you, Moses. That's, that's what he said. And Moses was like, wait, 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 please don't. Please don't. Please don't. You know, please don't is one thing. I mean, you know, it's, it's like, it's one thing to say, God, please don't kill them all, even though they all deserve it, uh, and start over with me, and I would be like the, the, the new Abraham. I, I get that, but, but, but please don't, God. Please. I mean, it's nice enough that he intercedes on their behalf and does something for them, since they were so against him and, and were so kind of jerkish about it and rebellious is the word, it, Dainu, it's enough that he did that. He didn't have to do that, did he, Ravi? But yet he did much more than this. He said, God, if, 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 please forgive them, but if you're not gonna forgive them, take out my name from your book that you have written. Wow. Wow, that is incredibly serious. The reason that you know he wasn't bluffing is because, again, when you bluff in these card games, the other players don't know the cards you're holding. God knows all your cards. <laughs> you can't bluff God. <laughs> and, and so the, this interchange, you know, Moses came with fear and trembling because it was God himself, but he knew what he was saying. And listen, there was a chance that God would have said, oh, really? Is that how you feel? Okay, all right, fine. Well, I'll find somebody else to start over with because I'm really ticked off at these people. And you seem to be backing them. So, you know, hey, listen, that's, that's what you want. You got him. I mean, he, God could have said, Moses was taking a risk, a really big risk. He laid down his life before God on behalf of the people of Israel. Moses was willing to take a bullet for them in the most literal of sense, in the most eternal of sense. Moses was willing to take a bullet for them. This is a remarkable act of sacrifice. Beloved, I want you to think about that. People say, well, you know, why is Moses so highly regarded? Look at the text. He was willing to give up his own life for them. His own life eternally, he was willing to give up for these people who had been so horrific to him. That is a mind-blowing act of sacrifice. You know, I've met a few people along the way in my journey in life who are just kind of spiritually built different, <laughs> okay? In what way? I remember a guy, a blessed memory, and Sidroth Israel is, uh, you have to understand that that's a city that is literally a stone's throw from Gaza. When I say a stone's throw, I mean like if you got a really good arm, you could throw a stone and hit Gaza. You could, you, certainly with any kind of a weapon, it would not be hard at all. Uh, it's literally right across the border. It's a fairly sizable town. That is, it's the largest town down there in the south, uh, or right by uh, Gaza. You have Ashkelon, but then once you once you pass that, it, you know you pretty much got Cedar Road down there. I've taken a, a number of you there on the advance trip to Israel. We go to Cedar Road, uh, and also on the YMGA trip, I typically go to Shlerot. Okay, and so uh, in. In this town, now you got to understand that it's a town that's in South Israel, but because it's so constantly, historically, was under a threat from Hamas for rockets because it was literally so close. I mean, I've, I've been there many times. So close. You were there with me, uh, Rebecca. And it's, it's so close that it's only a few seconds that you have to get to a bomb shelter, and it's frequently under bombardment. Uh, historically here uh, since 2005, okay, right? Since Hamas has been just pot-shotting towards civilians for, for nearly two decades now, since Israel completely withdrew from Gaza, by the way. Uh, and, uh, and, and so because of that, the city's composition is a little bit different than 
uh, a lot of Israel because you, you generally don't have really uh, affluent people uh, moving down to Shderot. Why? Because they're under constant threat of missile attack. Uh, and so uh, the, 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 the wages and the cost of living is very low in, in that city uh, because of the fact that it's, it's under constant rain and threat from Gaza. And so because of that, people uh, maybe of a lower socio- socioeconomic level has, have tended to kind of migrate there because it was cheaper to live, which makes sense. But then that leads to uh, a city that has a little more poverty than most cities in Israel. Okay, so within this city, we would frequently go and visit somebody there, a man I worked with many times who led a ministry to the poor and the indigent in Shtarot. His name was Yishai Reinhardt of blessed memory. And uh, hands of mercy, man, I tell you what, I loved Yishai. Yishai was an unbelievable human being. He would care on so many on behalf of the Lord. Uh, He gave of himself so much. In his, in his later years, he had a heart condition, and, uh, and, and it surely would have been better for him just to simply rest at home. He had major heart condition. I, I, everybody who knew him was aware of it. He's, he was known in the Messianic body in Israel, yet he still worked so hard to help people. And I, I brought groups to him a number of times, and sometimes, uh, especially with the YMGA group, but sometimes some of the other groups, I would bring people to serve with them. So I would bring a group and we would volunteer down there. Some of you who are here today remember uh, Melissa and uh, some of you others. I've, when, we were, when we went to Yishai's place and we would, we would help him, uh, and, and he would be putting together packages, boxes of food and, and, and clothes that had been donated, getting ready. And, and, and the place, the ministry building that he was in was just this tiny little house that was just, and, and he was making do. And, he, was, and he, was, he brought us one time to visit a, a burn victim, uh, who, a young teenager who had been a horrifically burned horrifically burned, uh, and who was just had nothing, and, and we were coming to bring him things, and, uh, and he just loved people. He's one of those people, you know the kind of person I'm talking about, who when I say would give you the shirt off his back, I'm sure that he frequently did actually take a shirt off and give it to people. That kind of a person, kind, loving, nobody is, is below him. Uh, he, he, he just was, was, gave his all gave his everything he had for the Lord and for his people in this, in this tiny little town that people really didn't know about. Uh, it's not like everybody in America and in the, the Christian world or the Messianic world, they all knew him because he was in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv. No, no, no. He, he was in the tiny town right by Gaza doing work that nobody else was doing. This was my friend Yeshai. Okay, and, uh, and he's, with, he's with the Lord now. His heart condition eventually took him on to be with the Lord. But I gotta tell you something, friends. I, I, I say his name of blessed memory with honor. Why? Because people like this are worthy of honor. They're worthy of honor, people who sacrifice themselves for the Lord and for his people. That's an honorable thing. Worthy of great honor. And so rare, so rare. There is someone in the scriptures that serves as quite an example for us in this regard. Uh, if we look in the Bible and we think about these kind of attributes, Uh, We see it in the scripture when it comes to serving the Lord so fervently. When it comes to serving the Lord so fervently that one is willing to give up even his own life. When someone is so fervently serving God that they're willing to give up even their own life, I think that we can 
agree that one name really comes to mind right away when we think of the word and, and somebody like that. I think you probably already know I'm speaking, of course, about Epaphroditus. <laughs> Epaphroditus, I know, I know it was a bit obvious. All of you were surely thinking that. You were probably like, oh, he said it before I could say it. Wow, boy, you know, I was going to say that. Epaphroditus, of course. I mean, wow, I know. I mean, Epaphroditus. Need I really even say more? I think you know the rest of the story. But, uh, but before we get into the text, first a little bit of background for you. Rabbi Shaul, Paul the Shaliach, had previously established the congregation. You know, he went on his, his journeys into uh, mostly Europe, but also Western Asia, and, uh, and had established congregations all over the place, all frequently receiving great persecution. One of the congregations that he established was in the city of Philippi, which was in uh, Macedonia, currently uh, in northern Greece, if you will, almost almost uh, getting close to Turkey in, in north uh, uh, eastern Greece and uh, the city of Philippi. And you can tell that this congregation that, that Rabbi Shaul had established in Philippi, he was still very close with. And in fact, if, if you read the scriptures and you look at it, it, it seems pretty clear that Paul started a lot of different congregations but this one had a special place in his heart. You could just, you could see it, you can read it if you look at it in context. There was a special relationship. Paul had a love, a special love for the congregation in Philippi. Uh, and he had not been there in some time. And at the point that he wrote the letter to the, the Philippian congregation, uh, it's believed that he was already a prisoner in Rome. Okay, so he was a prisoner in Rome. Uh, likely kind of a, a house arrest kind of a thing. And in those days, when you were a prisoner, it wasn't like uh, it is here in uh, the United States or in much of the modern world where if you're a prisoner, you know, sometimes people say, well, listen, I'll, I'll go to prison. At least I get three square, <laughs> you know, three meals a day. Well, back then, it wasn't really like that. In fact, you needed somebody to help you if you were a prisoner. You needed somebody to help kind of sponsor you. This, this, wasn't, this was a different world, if you will. And so prisoners often relied on the kindness of others for food, for, for clothing, for bedding, for warm blankets, whatever it is. Whatever, whatever it is that they might need, they oftentimes were dependent upon others for such things. Well, the Kahila, the congregation in Philippi, clearly loved Paul. As I told you, they had a special relationship, even though there was quite a distance between where they were at right then, since Paul was probably in Rome. But so what did the, the congregation in Philippi do? They sent a messenger. They sent a messenger to Rabbi Shaul to help him and to bless Paul. And his name was Epaphroditus. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians, we're going to go to Philippians chapter 2. Now, it seems as though, so that's a little context, and it seems as though Epaphroditus had indeed been helping Rabbi Shaul for some time. And he had done many things to help Paul. So, so here it is, this congregation in Philippi sends this, this person, this, the, a messenger, but not just a messenger, someone who, who, who was going to assist, work with, help Rabbi Shaul when he was in Rome in prison, which is when and where the book of Philippians was, was written. Okay, and so he's helping Rabbi Shaul and, uh, and for, for a good bit of time, it seems. Uh, and in fact, he helped Rabbi Shaul so much, and we don't know the details of it. They're not explicitly stated in the word. But we know that it nearly cost him his life. It nearly cost Epaphroditus his life. Him helping 
Rabbi Shaul, and him serving the Lord and helping in the believing community, serving God, reaching out to others, when he was there with Paul, it nearly cost Epaphroditus his, his, literally his life as he was helping. And so, finally, Rabbi Shaul decided to send his letter to the congregation in Philippi, which we know is the book of Philippians, and to send Epaphroditus back to them to deliver it. Okay, and so he had come from Philippi, served Rabbi Shaul, done so much that he, he nearly died. And then finally, Rabbi Shaul's like, okay, I got it. They're, they're, they're concerned about you in Philippi because they heard you were just about dead. And so let me, let me encourage them by sending a letter to them and you'll deliver it to them. That's the letter of Philippians, okay? But let's hear exactly what Rabbi Shaul says in his letter to the Philippian congregation as he mentions Epaphroditus. Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. Rabbi Shaul says, But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and co-worker and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and aid to my need. Wow, that's, that's a power-packed sentence about one dude. I mean, you think about that. Think about the, the list that he just gave about Epaphroditus. Woo, man, that's a lot of good stuff. First of all, Rabbi Shul calls him his brother. This is my brother. So he probably had a relationship with Epaphroditus back in Philippi. He probably called him a path. No, I'm just kidding. I don't even know. <laughs> okay. He probably knew him back in Philippi. And then he comes and he's like, oh man, what did he, what must it have been like when, when Rabbi Shaul saw Epaphroditus walk through the door? He was probably like, oh my gosh, my brother. He was under house arrest. He was under such persecution. And here is this familiar face of love in this congregation that he knew well and loved. And it was like, Oh my gosh, oh, they, look at that. It was probably some encouragement and some relief and a blessing to Rabbi Shaul more than you could even know. And he calls him his brother. So he had a, a deep and a special relationship with Epaphroditus and the Lord. He calls him his co-worker. So this means that Epaphroditus was instrumental in sharing the good news about Messiah. He was a worker for the Lord. This wasn't just simply like, uh, you know, somebody who was just a, a note taker for Paul. This wasn't simply a messenger, although he was that also. No, no, he was a fellow worker for God. This is somebody who was working for the Lord as part of the call of Rabbi Shaul to take the good news to the world. That this was a co-worker, a co-laborer, if you will. He also calls him his fellow soldier. This implies that Epaphroditus has been through the battles. You don't call somebody, this is my fellow soldier. Man, I can see him putting his arm around him, you know. Hey, this is my fellow soldier right here. Woo, man, we've been through the battles together, haven't we, Paf? <laughs> and, and he would say, please don't call me that. Please, please don't call me that. <laughs> Okay, and so, but, but they've been through the battles together. This is, a, this is a, a heavyweight in his own right, Epaphroditus. And we, in fact, hear that he has indeed been through the, the battles, which we'll read in just a minute. He also mentions that he is a messenger from the Philippian congregation and an aid to Paul's needs. So on top of everything else, Epaphroditus also attended to Paul personally to help him, to bless him. So, so he went out of his way to bless the man individually, personally. Surely he got stuff for him that he needed. Surely he prayed for him. Surely he uplifted him. Maybe got him sustenance. Food and, uh, and, 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 and beverage and, uh, and clothing or uh, 
maybe a pillow for crying out loud. When, when you're in prison back in those days, it was brutal. And it says he attended to his personal needs. Maybe, she, maybe he had a, a cut on them that he needed some... We don't exactly know all the details, but we know that Rabbi Shul was very, very appreciative of Epaphroditus for all the, the things that, that he had done for him, even on a personal level. This is a lot that, that Epaphroditus has done. Let's continue. Verse 26, Philippians 2.26. He's still talking about Epaphroditus. For he was longing for you all in Philippi and troubled because you heard that he was sick. He certainly was sick. Close to death. But God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but also on me, that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I have sent him with special urgency so that when you see him again, you might rejoice and I might be less worried about you. <laughs> so we see here that Epaphroditus, this is very interesting and in the whole plot. So we see here that Epaphroditus, in his service to the Lord and in his service to Paul, somehow got so sick that he was close to death. That's what it says about Epaphroditus. So Rabbi Shul said, you heard he was sick? You better believe he was sick. How bad was it? It was a bad case of COVID. <laughs> Deep in the Greek. You have to really read Greek well. <laughs> so Paul was sending him back home to reassure and encouraged the congregation in Philippi that he loved so dearly. So he was certainly mixed on it because he loved having Epaphroditus there, but he sent him back because he knew that he longed for them and they longed for him. They wanted to make sure he was okay. And they wanted to see him even though he'd been such a blessing, of course. And then Rabbi Shaul, still talking about Epaphroditus. Boy, you didn't know there was so much about this guy, huh? Verse 29, Philippians 2, 29. Paul says to the Philippi, the congregation in Philippi, the Philippian congregation, he says, so welcome him in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in high regard. Get that now, catch that, because it tells us something about the nature of God and what we should have as an aspirational goal in our own life. Hold men like him in high regard because he came close to death for the work of Messiah, risking his life to make up for what was lacking in your service to me. Okay, wow. So, so he just, he just kind of, man, he, he just went there with a, a pretty deep teaching using Epaphroditus as an example. What did he say? Whole people like him in high regard. In high regard. When you got somebody like that, brother, sister, you hold them in high regard. Think about it for just a minute. Think about it. He risked his life for the work of Messiah. He gave his life for the Lord. Even unto death. Says he almost died. Why? For the work of the Lord. For the work of Messiah, it says it's very specifically right here. What a, what a non, think about Epaphroditus, y'all, and think about what he did. What a non-flashy thing to do. A lot of people just want to do whatever they can do to get a, to get a, a million views on Instagram <laughs> or on YouTube. It's like, let me do something really, hey, bold and outrageous. And let me get a lot of attention and let me get fame and, and everything. This was not Epaphroditus. No, 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 my friends. Not a flashy thing to do at all. Think about what he did. Epaphroditus was not the star. He was not the star. How much so? There's nobody in this room who was thinking of Epaphroditus when I said it. <laughs> No one, not one of you. And even when I said it, I bet you 95% of you watching never even heard of the guy. I think it's probably true that the majority of people never even heard of the guy. Never heard of the guy. 
not the star. There's no book of the Bible named Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. There's no, there's no book of the turn to Epaphroditus, chapter 7. No? He did, Epaphroditus did not gain from this. Many scholars think that Epaphroditus was not even in full-time ministry. That he was just somebody who used everything he had, including his wealth, his money, to bless. See, here's the truth. Beloved, if each of us simply does whatever we can, then the world will change. Then the world would change. If we simply do whatever it is that we can do, then the world would change. Doesn't have to be Paul. Here's Epaphroditus who essentially enabled Paul's ministry, helped his brother. He wasn't looking for fame, fortune, credit. No, beloved. He was looking to serve. He was looking to help. He was sacrificial to the point of his life. That's the level. I didn't say somebody like that should be honored. It's in the Bible. Rabbi Shul said that. If you take him at his word. It's clear that Epaphroditus was all in. He nearly died in his assignment. That's how all in he was. Friends, I think of my friend Yishai in Shtarot. When he passed away in Israel, the, Isra the Israeli Messianic community mourned for sure. They mourned for sure, but at the same time, I'm going to tell you, you'll see no statues of him anywhere. There's no monuments in his honor. But he wasn't looking for that. He didn't care about that. But the burn victim that he took us to surely remembers him. The poor and the hungry knew him. And they knew of his walk with the Lord also. What's that worth? What's that worth? Isn't that how we'd all like to be remembered? It's about our walk with the Lord and how we loved God and loved other people. I mean, at the end of the day, really, isn't that what we'd all like? I've done a spate of funerals lately. I've, I've had a, it's been a little bit unusual. I don't know, I've done three or four in the last couple months. I've done dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of funerals. And you know what? At, at the end of the day, it, it's, it's not about how many followers you have on social media or, or about how much money you have in the bank or, uh, or, or, or how, how beautiful you are or your, your amazing house. <laughs> at the funerals, they talk about if they love the Lord, if they love people. See, that's what Yeshai did. That's what Yeshai did. There are other people. My friend Arthur back there remembers well Jerry Rutkin. He's an old friend. He's, he passed away a few years ago now, the late Jerry Rutkin, this Jewish believer, this Messianic Jew from New York. He was a former heroin addict. And he dedicated his life so interesting. It's just, it's absolutely revelatory, y'all. It's, it's what's important if you really care about such things. He dedicated his life to teaching on one thing, humbleness of spirit. That's what he taught on. My, my dad, uh, and then even when I took over for the early years, would have Jerry Rutkin come in to speak every year at Beth Hillel. My dad used to, used to say, 
we're having Jerry Rutkin in whether we need him or not. <laughs> Why? Because it's every year. And he gave basically a, the same or a very similar message. It was always on humbleness of spirit. I can remember him in my, in my head. I know you can too, Art, and many of you other old timers. Precious God, I humble myself before you. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Lord, I know nothing relative to you. Show me your ways. Teach me your paths, O oh God. Lord, let me rely on your word. Your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path, Lord. Lord, I need your word. It sustains me, God, because I, I, I don't know what to do without you, Lord. Let, let me not see myself highly in my own eyes, Lord. I, I can hear Jerry Rutkin in my mind speaking such things. Precious God, I humble myself. I remember his teachings. Don't, don't pray to God and say, God, humble me. It's not a biblical prayer. It's, it's a prideful prayer. You're telling God what to do. No, Scripture says, I humble myself before you, precious God. That's the biblical way to do it. I humble myself before you. It's a humble thing to do. Humbleness of spirit, what he taught on year after year after year. He had a great influence on our congregation, on me too as a kid growing up and, 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 and on into my 20s and you know, since I've now hit my 30s. <laughs> to me, he was a giant of faith, truly. I mean, uh, I remember when I was in my office with him after one of the services and I said, Jerry, that was a wonderful message. And he said, oh, thank you. He had that heavy, heavy, heavy Bronx accent. Wow, boy, that was one of the heaviest New York accents. Uh, uh, and he wrote a book, Damascus Appointment. Uh, and, and I remember we were sitting in my office, just he and I, and, uh, and he looked outside and said, mm, it's raining. And I said, yeah, Jerry. And he was like, and then he proceeded to quote from memory about probably 40 straight separate verses about rain. Just one after the other, 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 after the other. And after three, you're thinking, okay, that's, that's kind of cool, you know? And then after 15, you're like, wow, he really knows the Bible a lot. And then like you hit about 25 and you're like, why am I the rabbi here? I'd have no business... <laughs> I, I so know absolutely nothing. My gosh. Oh, man. What is going on here? But yet he was so humble. He was just, the word was in him so much, y'all. Yet almost no one today has even ever heard of him. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He wouldn't care. God knows him. And I believe that God welcomed him home with a great welcome. See, Rabbi Shaul tells us to hold people like that in high regard. Hold people like that in high regard. Let's go to chapter 4 of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. Rabbi Shaul continues in his letter to the Philippian congregation. And in concluding the epistle, uh, Rabbi Shaul again mentions Epaphroditus. Some of you are like, doggone it, man, that's a lot. I have, why haven't I heard of this guy? I should have known about this guy. I understand a, a very kind of obscure person in scripture but somebody of great importance in rabbi shaul's life you best believe when we get to heaven we you see rabbi shaul you might meet epaphroditus philippians chapter 4 verse 18 he's concluding his letter to the to the congregation there and rabbi shaul says 418 says but i have received everything and have more than enough he just talked about being content I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you sent. Oh, it's a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. 
my God will fulfill every need of yours according to the riches of his glory in Messiah Yeshua. (laughs) What's great? A lot of you know that verse, right? God will supply all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Messiah Yeshua. A lot of believers know that verse, and rightly so. That's a great verse. But it's said in context of talking about whilst he was in prison, he's saying this, first of all. And whilst he's still in prison, saying it, that God will supply all my needs. And it's at the end of his passage talking about contentment, which, by the way, I spoke about last Shabbat, contentment. So if you're tuning in, you want to hear something about contentment a little bit earlier in Philippians 4, tune in last week, (laughs) and you can hear that message, okay? But uh, it's right after Paul has just said in the passage right before it that he's learned to be content in all situations, So he's learned to be content in all situations, including the situation that he's in right now, which is when he's in prison. And and, and he warmly thanks the Mishpacha in Philippi and thanks them for sending Epaphroditus with gifts for him. What gifts are they? We don't really know. It doesn't say. Something that was a great comfort to him, something that helped him, something that encouraged him. Just saying Epaphroditus was a blessing to him. But they they sent stuff with him and, and it helped him and it was a blessing to him. See, my friend Epaphroditus was a bearer of blessings. He was a bearer of blessings to others, including Rabbi Shaul. Friends, we too should be a bearer of blessings toward others. Is this your heart? I mean, I'm asking you to really think today. I'm asking you to really, really think, is it in your heart? Lord, let me be a bearer of blessings to others. So many people, I think, in America want to be the recipient of blessings. Bless me. Bless me, Lord. I think it reminds me of a Keith Green song. Now, Lord, help me be the bearer of blessings to others. Man, my hope and prayer is that the, the YMJA group that's here this weekend, I hope that's your heart, you know? That I hope that that's your heart, is, is, to, is to be a bearer of blessing to all the young people that you're going to be serving this summer. That, that's got to be the motivation, you know? That's got to be your motivation. That should be all of our motivation, to be, to be a, a bearer of blessing, but, but a significant one. Because, friends, significant meaning with, with all of our heart, with everything in us, not holding anything back. Epaphroditus certainly did. He almost died for the sake of God and serving others. Moses, you heard what he did and was willing to do. But but here's the key. Sort of like Epaphroditus, you don't have to be a Rabbi Shaul. Some people think, well, I'm not not in full-time ministry. I'm I'm not up there speaking, and I'm not there on YouTube and having lots of people watch me and hear the message, and what, you know, what, what can I do? I mean, uh, I've just got my job, or I'm in school, or whatever it is, and I, I, is there really much I can do? You can simply be an Epaphroditus. You don't have to be Shaul. Just be Epaphroditus. Because here's the truth. Epaphroditus' efforts help enable Paul to do his ministry Paul calls him a fellow soldier. But remember this, friends. There are many more privates in the army than there are generals. And there has to be. Think about that for just a minute. Well, I'm not really that important. I'm not that. No, 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 no. There are a lot more privates in the armies than there are generals. And that's the way it's supposed to be. The key is for everyone in the army to do their own part. Do what you are called to do. It doesn't have to be grand. It doesn't have to be grandiose with flashing neon lights. No, it can be relatively small, but it's got to be with your all. And it's got to be your heart. It's got to be your heart's intent, if you will. If you do God's, if you do, for what it's worth to you, if you do, God says, 
that he will find you and hold you in high regard. It's not by me. It's not by peers. That's by God. This is what he said. Those people are worthy of being held in high regard. I want to conclude with Yeshua, who both models and teaches us about this exact kind of love. Let's turn to John 15 as we prepare to close. John 15. Wow. Listen to what Yeshua says in Yochanan, John chapter 15. It's, it's a passage that you've read, you've heard. Unlike Epaphroditus, you're more familiar with it. But as we've talked all about Epaphroditus and what he did, I think that the passage takes on a little different meaning if we look at it in that context. So let's take a look at it here, verse 12. It says, Yeshua says, This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. How did he love us? No one has greater love than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Wow, there it is. There he just kind of dropped the mic. See, friends, in the end, it comes down to love. Yeshua says, greater love is no one than this. He laid down his life for his, for his friends. Now, is he talking literally? Yes, at times, possibly. But he's also speaking figuratively, my friends. We have to have a mindset of laying down our lives for others, esteeming others above ourselves, putting others first, if you will. This is what Moses did. This is what Moses did. Pretty impressive guy. This is what Epaphroditus did. This is what Yeshua did. Is this, is this what you will do? I'm asking for you to challenge yourselves, beloved, to seek to put on this attitude. It's a choice. Because Moses could have let the people pay. Yeshua could have let us bear the consequence of our own sin. And yes, Epaphroditus could have just let Paul suffer. He didn't have to go. He could have simply said no. But he said yes. And Paul said that such like him that sacrificially give for God's kingdom should be held in high regard. So let's purpose to do this more than we did before. The title of the message is, together, Epaphroditus. Let's bow our heads. <laughs> I thought that you would guess that one, if you could pronounce it. <laughs> Good old Epaph. I want to thank, thank you, Lord. And I want to ask this question. I want to ask if there's anybody here who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah. If you're here and you've never given your life to God, but you want to, raise your hand and we'll pray together. If you've never said yes, never committed your life to Yeshua, to Messiah, asking him to forgive you of your sins, you've never done that before, but you want to raise your hand if there's anybody here who's never done so but wants to. Maybe you're watching online or listening on the podcast and that's you. If so, say this simple prayer after me. Say, dear God, I humble myself before you. I ask Yeshua to come into my heart. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Please forgive me, God. I'm sorry. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, Lord, in Yeshua's name. If you said that simple prayer, please if you're watching online or listening in the podcast, send us an email. We want to celebrate with you. If you're in the room here and that's the first time you said that prayer, see me after the service. I just want to celebrate with you. Lord God, I want to thank you for Epaphroditus. What an what a obscure character in the Bible, but one of, of, of really importance. 
importance in as much as he serves as an example about how it doesn't have to be of great importance to be important to you. Lord, what's important is that we have a heart of self-sacrifice when it comes to our to others and to you, Lord. Wow, Epaphroditus literally nearly just gave his life, Lord, out of service to you and to Rabbi Shaul. Thank you for Epaphroditus. Thank you for his example. Thank you for his instruction, for the teaching, the, the, what he's demonstrated to us that we can model ourselves after and that you say should be held, held in high regard, Lord, so we do so even today. I thank you for this. Help us, Lord, because it's against our flesh. Help us, God. I thank you for this. We bless you. Bless you for the Shabbat and for all the blessings that you so generously pour out into our lives. Thank you for these things. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, nine, nine.